Late Night City, Beyond the Dark. Ladies and gentlemen, we love our feature Beyond the Dark and we've got a book in front of us now. Near-death experiences, understanding visions of the afterlife. And we've got one of the uh, the authors on, Benjamin Mitchell Yellen. Hello, Ben. Hello, Peter. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Is it all right if I call you Ben? Yes, please do. Is it your mother that calls you Benjamin? Oh, yes, my mother and anybody that she can, you know, set straight. <laughs> do you know what? That is a book. That is a book because everybody who has a shortened name, their parents don't like it one little bit. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, hi, Mom. And uh, I told him it's okay if he calls me Ben. <laughs> love it. Love it. Right. On a serious note, this book. Tell us a little bit about who you are before we talk about the book. Oh, yeah, thanks. Well, I'm uh, an assistant professor of philosophy at Sam Houston State University. And before I came here, I was a postdoctoral fellow at UC Riverside under my co-author's supervision, John Martin Fisher. And I was a postdoc on a grant called the Immortality Project. And that was a three-year grant, a $5 million grant funded by the John Templeton Foundation. And really, that's what the book came out of, the work we did on the grant and uh, our interest in some of the research that we funded. It's always a good thing, Ben, when uh, a book comes from the Oxford University Press. It's always a good sign that it means there's something substantial about the book. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I like to think so. So where did the book come from? Yeah, well, um, the grant, like I said, was a three-year grant, and it started in uh, 2012. And when I started uh, working under John on the grant, we got interested in near-death experiences. As I'm sure you and lots of your listeners know, they've been in the news a lot in the past few years, uh, lots of popular books talking about them. Um, and so we got interested in the topic and we started to look into it. And initially we wrote uh, an article uh, that we published in the Journal of Consciousness Studies that was replying specifically to Pim Van Lomo, who's uh, one of the top researchers in near-death experiences. And so the book kind of came out of the work that we did in the article. And then the grant, like I said, it funded a lot of other people's research, and some of those projects were looking into near-death experiences. So we just got very interested in the topic, and uh, as our interest grew, so did our interest in saying something about it. As a professor, assistant professor, we call you a professor because you are a professor. As a professor, well, thank you. what were your thoughts before you wrote the book about near-death experiences? Well, to be honest, before I started working with John on the topic, I didn't have many thoughts about it, um, but I very quickly became fascinated. It's, it's really interesting because it's one of those subjects where, um, you know, where philosophical reflection has uh, some deep significance for the wider public. So that's one thing I really like about it. I can, I teach a class on death and dying here at Sam Houston State, and we do a unit on near-death experiences. And my students always very interested. They they have personal stories to share, or you know, they they have relatives who have had a similar experience, or they're just interested in the issues. I mean, it raises issues about uh, you know what's the connection between your brain, your brain and your consciousness, or you know the mind and the body. What What's the connection between this life and the afterlife? Things like that. Mm -hmm. the things that people talk, you know, think about outside of the classroom and outside of philosophy. So, Was it a difficult book to write because there's so much to write about near-death experiences? You're right. There is a lot to write about. Um, 
I wouldn't say it was a difficult book to write, um, but, you know, well, it's the first book I've ever written, and so it was difficult in that respect, you know, lear learning something new. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, John and I had a lot of opportunity to talk to each other and to talk to other people about the topic, and just in those conversations, in doing a lot of reading, um, discussion groups, we kind of, our thoughts really gelled together. And then, uh, actually, the, the books seemed to flow pretty well. Um, you know, when, once we started to figure out what we wanted to say, it was actually really fun to, to try to write something that could appeal to a wider audience than just other philosophers who are teaching at universities. Now, tell me, as um, a professor, you will be uh, and think about things logically. You won't think of anything else but logic. <laughs> it, does that not make this book difficult to understand for you to write? Well, I hope it's understandable to people who aren't academics. And we tried to write it in a, an accessible way. And But you're right. Um, there, there is, you know, we're trained to think uh, logically is one way to put it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of... The things that we're hoping this one of the contributions we hope that this book makes. Um, I guess one of the points we want to make is that there are a lot of people who write about near-death experiences, but uh, sometimes the logic behind their arguments doesn't really hold up. So part of what we want to do in the book is bring out uh, some of the reasons that we think certain inferences people make are hasty, um, and try to show what. Uh, better reasoning would look like in this area. When you were doing the research, did you find out anything about people with near-death experiences that were not explainable at all? Well, there, there's, that's a great question. Let me put it this way. There's, there's one claim that a lot of people like to make, which is that we don't currently know the explanations for certain near-death experiences, and so they infer that we're never going to know the explanations, or we cannot know the explanations. I think that inference is way too strong. There might be certain things that we can't currently explain, but we might think that given progress in our tools or our theories in the future, we have good reason to think that we'll be able to explain them. So while there are certainly near-death experiences that I don't currently think I have a great explanation for, uh, I think that there's good reason to be confident that we can explain them in the future. Do you have a religious belief? I myself am not religious. Um, so did that make it difficult with the book or well, easier with the book? It means you have to be careful. Uh, we didn't want to push any sort of line on religion, faith, or atheism in the book. Um, we say a few times in the book that we're not trying to make atheists out of people. Uh, all we're trying to argue is that near-death experiences don't support certain religious beliefs that people have taken them to support. But that doesn't mean there's not other reasons to hold these beliefs. It's just that we think near-death experiences themselves don't provide good reason for them. Now, let's leave the book for a second, because you just said something that I just, my ears pricked up, uh, <laughs> that you give classes in death and dying. Yeah. Do explain yeah. that to me, please. Well, it's actually, uh, so it's a course that's been here at this university for a while. Um, it's also, I mean, they go under different titles, but there's similar courses uh, at lots of colleges and universities around the United States and around the world. 
I mean, as I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear, it's something that we're all going to face at some point, mm-hmm. um, uh, for better or worse, our, our own deaths. And so it's something that people think about, and they've been thinking about it for a long time. I mean, actually, I, sh- I start the course out uh, looking at the uh, story of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest known written story that we have. Um, and it, it really focused it on issues about fear of death, desire to live forever, um, things, about, things of that nature. And that's, uh, th- those are some units that the course focuses on. Is it difficult to teach young people about death? Because depression that goes with death as well is quite scary. Yeah, so um, what's, what I found most interesting about the course is that I get a wide variety of students in there. Uh, so some people are taking the course because they thought the title sounded cool. Some people are taking the course because they're training to be nurses or to, um, to, to work in contexts where they're taking care of people who are at the end of life. Some people take the course because they've lost somebody in the recent past, and so that's got them thinking about it. Uh, Lots of different, I mean, some people just take the course because, you know, it's a way of satisfying a distribution requirement. But uh, one thing that quickly becomes clear to everybody is that the issues that we talk about in the course, uh, what should you think about your own death? Is it bad for you? Why or why not? Uh, Should you want to live forever if that were possible? Uh, What's the meaning of life? We have a section on you know, what makes for a meaningful life. And then we also have a section on near-death experiences. Um, it seems so far, st- students have, uh, if they don't get into all the sections, they, they, everybody finds something that kind of grips them and gets, them, gets their, gears, their gears moving. And so that's been really rewarding. It's interesting you say that, Ben, because I'm a 70-year-old man. I've got a brain of a 21-year-old. and a, an I can tell it really comes through, yeah. <laughs> an attitude, but I'm 70. Um, and... I've lost a lot of pals lately, a lot of friends, and so I've questioned my own uh, immortality, and, uh, and and I, it just worries me. It, it worries. It, it's a thing that bothers me now. Uh, what yeah. would you say to me if I was in your class? Well, one thing I'd want to do if you're in my class is, you know, kind of get you to think. You know, I don't really teach the class in order to. Uh, provide people with a certain outlook on their own death. I, I want to get my students thinking about the issues and come to their own conclusions, but to have them be conclusions that they've really thought about deeply and critically examined. I mean, it, in other words, it's not a class where I want students to come in and just double down on the views that they already had. Mm-hmm. I want them to think about the issues with fresh eyes, uh, read some people that they wouldn't have read before, talk in class and discuss with some people that they may not have talked about these issues with uh, outside of the class. And then, you know, if they come out of the class thinking the same things they came in with, at least maybe they'll have some good reasons for thinking it. So so I wouldn't want to, you know, feed you a certain message about your own death, but I'd want you to think, you know, just to give you an example of what I mean, uh, one of the questions we consider, which is, a very old question in Western philosophy, you know, so is your death bad for you? And one position says, well, there's no possible way it could be bad for you because death is just the, the cessation of life and experience, but things can only be bad for you if they harm you or cause you pain. But you know, dead people don't feel anything, so your death can't be bad for you. And then there's an opposing view that says, of course your death can be bad for you because it deprives you of things. I mean, if you hadn't died when you did, you could have had all sorts of great experiences afterwards. So 
you know, your death is bad for you because it deprives you of future goods. So we consider these different points of view and, you know, which, what does each side have going for it? And then, you know, students are free to draw their own conclusions about, you know, which view they, they like best and why. Ben, I'm now confused, but thank you for that. I'm talking to <laughs> Benjamin Mitchell Yellen about a book called Near Death Experience, uh, Understanding Visions of the Afterlife. What do you want people to do when they put this book down? What do you want them to say? Well, I hope that when they read through the entire book, they can appreciate that a view like the one that uh, John and I try to argue for in the book uh, is it's called a physicalist view. It's the view that um, the, you, the consciousness or the mind is not separate from the brain and you don't need to appeal to uh, non-physical entities to explain consciousness or reality. Um, I want them to feel not only that this has a place in discussions of near-death experiences, but also that it doesn't uh, simply reduce them or reduce our thinking of ourselves to some mechanical process. Because part of what we want to do in the book is explain that these are profound experiences. People uh, get a lot of hope and they, from them. They find them very meaningful and they have uh, some great you know, some very positive transformative effects on people. They make them fear death less. Uh, they, they tend, people who have had near-death experiences tend to be more compassionate and loving towards others. And so part of what we want to do in the book is explain how, even if you think that these experiences are explainable in terms of uh, brain chemistry or psycho human psychological tendencies or something, you can still capture the meaning and significance of them. So we try to explain how that happens in the book. So I hope one thing I really hope people get is that, you know, it's not, uh, you know, dull mechanistic explanation on the one hand or wonderful, awesome supernatural explanation on the other. You know, uh, both sides can can really uh, take account of the human, meaningful aspects of these experiences. Were your friends shocked that you did a book like this? Some of them were. Um, you know, because like I said, I, I, I'm not myself a, a very religious person, and mm. so tackling a topic that is oftentimes discussed in a religious context, that, that surprised some people, yeah. How have they re reacted to it? You, has your best friend read it yet? Yeah, my, my friends seem to really like the book. Um, and uh, one, one thing that's been great is that this is a topic that I can talk to my friends about. I mean, some of my other philosophical writings, you know, it's, you can't talk to anyone about. <laughs> well, I mean, I can talk to certain people, but you know, my friends are not all professors. So, um, you know, so, some academic writing is you know, inside baseball, and um, this is not. <laughs> so, it's been nice to have you know be able to talk about what I do at work to family and friends. Tell us about your co-writer. Yeah, J John Martin Fisher. He is a distinguished professor of philosophy at UC Riverside, which is where I got my PhD and then I stayed on as a postdoc. Um, so John, John is probably best well known for his work on free will and moral responsibility. Um, but he's written many, many books and many more articles. Um, and uh, he's written not only on free will and responsibility, but uh, on topics, a, a wide range of topics. Uh, so, yeah, he, I mean, he's a real expert in a number of fields, and I, I've been really lucky to work with him. What made you write a book together? What was, what was the chemistry? What was it about? Where did the idea come from? Well, we, we were 
we were working together um, on the grant and we just started talking about the issues and we started reading around and in our discussions we were both um, you know, picking up on certain things that we thought um, we had something to say about uh, in the literature. So like, like I already hinted at, sometimes we thought that people were kind of drawing hasty conclusions from the data that they were looking at or the observations that they were making. And when we started to talk about that, we thought, well, you know, here's something that we could contribute to the discussion. Book two? Uh, some, someday. I mean, uh, right now I'm just enjoying that people want to talk to me about book one. <laughs> <laughs> What's the book called, Ben? Uh, Near-Death Experiences, Understanding Visions of the Afterlife. Benjamin Mitchell Yellen, thank you for talking to me. Well, thank you very much, Peter. I, I really appreciate it.